Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Niger again, our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Uh, thanks, as always, to all of our followers and listeners. Um, Jill and I look forward to doing this um, every week and appreciate everybody's comments and feedback and uh, suggestions. And it's been fun talking with a lot of you guys. Um, and... Um, it, as I've said this in other podcasts, it's just from having the privilege to talk to people from around the globe and meet people. Um, it's amazing, you know, in in the bizarre world that we live in, um, finding how much more we actually do have in common uh, than things that separate us. Um, so it's been a really fun experience and, and journey for me. And I know the last uh, several episodes, uh, I was focusing primarily on borderline, and we'll pick that up at some point because I know that is everybody's favorite and uh, incredibly prevalent uh, from my personal and professional opinion, and and <clears throat> often underdiagnosed. I think I think it's considerably underdiagnosed. But we're going to shift gears um, to a different topic. Uh, as many several people have reached out and asked about this, and I've I've actually seen interestingly uh, kind of an uptick in uh, psychosis, and uh, people wanted to know more about um, medication, how to manage it, how to effectively treat it, and so we're going to switch gears. And Julie is with me. She's going to jump on. But, you know, if we just take the, you know, just take the framework of, I'm going to, I'm going to use schizophrenia as the framework. Although psychosis can exist in what's called brief psychotic disorder, bipolar disorder with psychotic features, major depressive disorder with psychotic features. Um, what was the other one I was thinking of? Um Sometimes, like in in uh, and, and schizoaffective disorder, which is more or less, you know, it's a it's a complex disorder, but more or less, it's basically a psychosis with depression. Um, so with with schizophrenia, I did we did it. I did an episode probably a year and a half ago. So I'm not going to go through all the different diagnostic criteria and stuff like that. But it's really a disconnect from reality, and it's one of the few disorders. One of the very few disorders that kind of has an, an age range. And, you know, psychotic features in schizophrenia, they typically emerge like between like late teens and, and mid 30s. Uh, but the onset of psychosis uh, prior to that in children is, is, is very rare. But I have personally worked with, tested, and diagnosed children with psychosis uh, at a young age. And uh, the research is very clear that earlier onset of symptoms leads to a much worse prognosis. Um, other things in terms of, and we're not really quite sure about this, but season of birth is also linked to schizophrenia. Um, especially children born in the late winter, early spring, and um, it's it's also higher for children that grow up in an urban environment, and for some minority groups. So it it it's um, 
It's a, it's it's an interesting disorder and one that I've I've seen a little bit more frequently. Um, you tend to see schizophrenia more in community mental health centers. Uh, I guess in much more urban areas, and uh, it's 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 a very debilitating disorder, often requiring uh, medication management and the the the. the hypothesis that is still very persistent is the dopamine hypothesis, which is basically the excess of dopamine in the brain is what leads to psychosis. And part of this is psychotic symptoms, they tend to diminish in intensity, frequency, and duration um, over the course of the disorder. But what we think is that it's probably in relation to just age-related decline and decline in dopamine activity um so you know the it's really there there's you know hallucinations or delusions and it's important uh you know in in diagnosing psychosis is this something that is culturally relevant is it something of a spiritual context and the, the caveat with every psychiatric disorder is do the symptoms cause social, emotional, and occupational impairment? And if you are in, in the you know the the throngs of, of, of psychosis or or schizophrenia, it is incredibly debilitating. Uh, it results in problems in family. Um, it's linked to higher rates of, of, of smoking, of comorbid medical conditions, uh, of, of diabetes, of, of weight gain. A lot of times that's, that's often due to the adverse effects of the medications used to treat psychosis. So I'm going to flip this over to Julie because we want to kind of go from the perspective of like how do we manage this. And I would encourage you if you want to know more about schizophrenia, go back probably a, you know, a year or so ago because I did an episode uh, specific to schizophrenia where I went through all the specific, you know, diagnostic criteria and stuff like that. But we want to kind of come from the perspective of like, what do you do and how do we manage this? Um, so here's, here's Julie. Hi everyone. Um, hope you guys are well. Uh, just um, going to, talk a little briefly about um, the treatment of schizophrenia. Uh, I think it's very important to understand that psychosis doesn't always mean schizophrenia. And um, certainly, you've probably heard enough of our episodes and learned enough online or wherever you're learning things, whether it's from your healthcare providers or from uh, what family and friends have gone through uh, with mental health issues. Um, The psychosis has been a problem for a long time, um, meaning uh, with regard to drug use. Uh, So very often people will use drugs and become psychotic um, because of um, the ingredients in the drugs that cause the psychosis. Um, This can happen with most drugs, um, but the treatment is the same. Uh, So we use uh, antipsychotics, uh, sometimes first generation, although mostly we use second generation antipsychotics. Um, I'll explain and describe the difference um, in a few minutes. So it's important to be able to diagnose schizophrenia. Um, 
schizophreniform disorder is um is something where I guess I can only, I only really want to, pers- I'm not reading out of a manual. I'm just kind of talking about my own experience with treatment and um, what I've seen in the mental health field with regard to um, the onset of schizophrenia. Um, it is quite sad to see somebody uh, start to, this what they, what happens is they people start to become disheveled. Um, they're more detached. They isolate uh, their normal routines. They're very distracted. They're they're constantly they're acting, starting to act a little bizarre. Um, not acting like the 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 person that they used to be. Um, again. Sometimes we can see this with drug use, you know, severe drug use. Um, but much of the time when someone is, is uh, diagnosed usually, and CORE explained the different age ranges um, for both men and women, um, it, it's usually a very um, dramatic and intense experience with the person that's experiencing the symptoms, but especially the family, um, equally the family, uh, the loved ones, the, whether it's whoever in the, in the family unit, um, because this person doesn't, this person isn't the same person anymore. It doesn't appear to be this same person anymore. So the first generation antipsychotics, I guess the best way to even describe what people looked like, um, I believe uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a classic movie that shows what an inpatient unit looks like back in the 60s and 70s, um, where the first generation antipsychotics were treating um, and trying to control the excess of dopamine in the brain, um, which is what leads to psychosis. So at the end of the day, when I teach my own clients about their mental health issues, um, I'm always talking about the science of it. And even though I'm not going to get real sciencey today, um, it really does come down to a chemical thing. Um, the, the downside of the mental health world is that, uh, unfortunately, because of these chemical deficiencies or excess chemicals in the brain, it looks like people start acting differently. People start acting impulsively or in bizarre ways, um, be it bipolar disorder, depression, schizophrenia, just to name the mo the big, the top three. So with, but, when if you watch the movie, I don't. I'm not suggesting that you watch the movie. The movie's quite depressing. But the the first generation antipsychotics, because they were stopping the movement of um, the dopamine in the brain, um, it was decreasing the positive symptoms of schizophrenia, which are the delusions, the hallucinations, so the hearing and the hearing voices. And all the paranoia, all of these active symptoms are what these drugs are designed to treat. However, it, it did not, it missed the mark on affect. 
So it didn't include a serotonin component. The serotonin component to the, they call them S2D2s, they're the uh, second generation antipsychotics, they add serotonin in. And so uh, whereas we're increasing someone's affect, their range of affect, laughing, crying. And I know you probably never see the MTV video of uh, Paulina Poroskova and the Cars song Drive, but that was such a great, great video. You probably could see it on YouTube is uh, who's going to drive you home, but she's in an inpatient facility and she's acting out this range of affect. Um, I believe Girl Interrupted may have, which is a much more modern movie, um, not based on modern life. It was a historical movie, um, but based on a famous book, um, and uh, which took place at McLean um, Inpatient or McLean um, Campus in Belmont, Massachusetts. So the flatness that people would see, if you see the movie, you'll see how when people take these medications, they can have um, psychomotor, psychomotor agitation too, where they're shuffling. They're, they have no affect to their face. It's very flat and blunted and it doesn't change. So they, the people who take these, sometimes these like Haldol, Thorazine, couple of, just a couple of examples of um, typical first generation antipsychotics, um, the side effects can be very poor, including flatness um, uh, of affect and also um, agitation and motor, motor activity, meaning the way you walk, the way you move. Um, it can cause tics, it can cause all kinds of EPS, uh, akathasia, dystonia, um, dystonia being the worst, um, where it's a, it's a muscle contraction that is very painful and it's, um, it's very deliberate. Um, all of it is treated. Um, there are antidotes for it. Um, but you know, it's, it's almost inevitable that someone will have some sort of side effect regarding their motor, um, motor function. Um, and I'll, I'll discuss that a little bit more in a couple of minutes. The second generation antipsychotics, because they increase the serotonin levels, people have more of a range of affect. So their affect is not as blunted. Um, these are all the ones you probably have seen on television. I'm sure everyone's seen Abilify. They've seen Rixalti. They've seen... Um, and I'm, I'm going to do the trade names for you, not the generic when it comes to um, the newer medications. Raylar is another one that's on, on, the, on being advertised right now. Um, Latuda, I'm sure, is still advertised as well. Those are, and, the, and there are more. There are newer ones, but I haven't used any of the right, no, very new, new, new ones because we get like Captila. We can't even get that covered by insurance. So, um, so when it comes to schizophrenia, um, Risperdal is an, uh, I find it's a superior medicine for schizophrenia, um, because it really targets, it, it is a newer antipsychotic second gen. So it means that, you know, affect usually is not blunted, but there are side effect problems with, um, Risperdal. So if you have 
like let's say I've I've personally found when I've had a, a when I when I was working with a chronic population um I found that that was a very useful medication um it's sometimes dose once a day sometimes twice a day um they I mean I think you've probably seen lawyer commercials uh, about um the hyperprolactemia um which can happen to both men and women um because uh the drug um that's one of the side effects it increases the level of prolactin which causes um lactation um again uh so and and there are other other side effects as well but that is one um one that's made headlines um if that doesn't occur like Stephen Stahl said once um when we when I was at a master class in Boston he he was talking about um I believe he was a client of his on Risperdal who is schizophrenic but developed hyperprolactemia and um he said 2 mg of abilify done like that's the cure <laughs> i i don't know that firsthand but that's certainly something that and he's he's our guru i i feel like i can say that with confidence that he is um probably probably one of the most well known um educated in the area of psych- psychopharmacology than any anybody out there um there are many but he's one of them um so risperdal then there's you know zyprexa there's abilify there's um i like i mentioned before raylar raylar i i usually will use that with someone who has believe it or not borderline personality disorder and or a bipolar disorder because I've just in my own journey have found that it has been helpful reportedly by the people who take it. So I'm not I don't work for any big pharma corp. No way. So I'm only basing this on what I have experienced, what collectively me and my colleagues talk about that is successful in our practices. Um Cyprexa is a lanzapine. That's that's um that's a very uh, effective drug for acute mania. It's a very effective drug for psychosis. Um, Zimbiax is a combination of of uh, olanzapine, Zyprexa, and Prozac, fluoxetine, um, which also helps with the affect. Um, however, olanzapine, um, Zyprexa has a dirty side effect profile and that just means that you know it causes severe weight gain um cigarette smoking can decrease the levels of some of these medications in the body so it's important to know if someone's smoking more heavily they might need a dose adjustment um and uh so but the side effect pro- profile on that is you know uh metabolic uh, problems like uh, hyperlipidemia, um, which is high, it's like high cholesterol, and um, diabetes, um, high blood sugar, and severe weight gain. Um, I have experienced that while using this drug, um, but I also have seen it be extremely successful. So sometimes you can, like I, I think for a while, 
depending on who's who you're working with locally at a, a like an inpatient unit, right? So if patients are coming stepping down to see you on an outpatient basis or a partial day treatment from inpatient, they the doctors were inpatient and providers have to stabilize people really quickly. Um, so they're under the wire because insurance dominates all that. So, you know, how, how long does someone have in a hospital to get stable? And so, um, sometimes, you know, I would get a person that was discharged, you know, like on Zyprexa, depending on who the doctor is, everybody's got their own lane. It's very interesting to see because there's no straight protocol. So, um, there are Abilify, um, but the the problem I think, and I, and I and I say this also with confidence, is that people who have schizophrenia, especially if they're paranoid, it's a very difficult um, disease to treat um, because people who are paranoid and can be delusional and grandiose um, believe when you're paranoid that they might be being poisoned. So they, their trust level of providers, let alone everybody else and the world, keeping people on medication that they're not on board with. So it, it's, it's, um, it can get really tricky. Um, I find that the, the um, relationship you have with your client is the most important, it has to be a therapeutic one. Um, and definitely, if you can decrease the level of psychosis for somebody, it it also helps build that rapport when people notice a difference when they're experiencing like auditory or visual hallucinations, um, most of which are not friendly, um, most of which are very unfriendly and very scary. So, and it's all because of what? Excess dopamine. And it just, this is why it's so... The stigma is so, um, it's just so unfortunate because it really has nothing to do with who a person is. It has to do with brain chemistry. Um, I also think that it's very difficult. I, I think, you know, because of the medication that we use, and there are more medications. There's geodone, zeprazidone, which I don't use, but a lot of people use because it does not cause weight gain, supposedly. Um, it can cause QT prolongation. So sometimes you would, you, generally we have to do EKGs every year, six months to a year to make sure it's not causing any problems. Or if someone has a pre-existing arrhythmia or any kind of um, disruption like that, you might not want to reach for geodone. Um, I, like I said, Mo, in Vega, Sistena is from the Risperdal family. Um, many of these have IM injections, um, which have been developed um, brilliantly. Um, but in order to pursue an IM injection, which sometimes they will do in on inpatient facilities, based on someone's history of uh, non-compliance with medication, which is very common in schizophrenia. It's very common in bipolarity as well. So, you know, you get these people and they're stabilized, but sometimes, but in order to, to put someone on an IM injection, they have to take the oral first. So the oral is meaning, so how does this person respond to this actual medication before we inject this person with medication intramuscularly? 
So, and the reason for that, uh, that, that upgrade in, um, in healthcare uh, for schizophrenia is because of the lack of compliance. So if you have someone who is on an IM injection, then you set it and forget it, and and it will go every what one month, every three months, every six months. So that is more ideal for somebody who is not very med compliant um, because it goes right into the tissue, and it's not something because if you're if you're so disorganized and if you're sick and if you with schizophrenia. You don't remember to take your meds every day. You're you're disorganized. You're not organized. You don't have your pill. Even if you have your pills, you're not. There are some very high functioning people with schizophrenia. Schizophrenics are usually highly intelligent people, um, and it is it is. I hate to say it's devastating, but it is. It's a devastating um, disease, uh, especially if it's not treated. Um, if it's treated, I've worked with people who do wonderfully, you know, um, it's very difficult for people with schizophrenia, um, to hold a job. Um, so, you know, sometimes people will wind up, you know, in, um, with, uh, in group homes or, uh, living with family members because it's very difficult for them to maintain and, and stay autonomous and, um, support themselves financially. Again, this isn't everybody. Um, there are very high functioning people with schizophrenia. Um, but the side effects of the medications, um, less motor tics and, uh, we call them extrapyramidal symptoms. Um, there's dystonia, there's, um, tardive dyskinesia, which is the, the fourth one. That is the last one. Um, the akathasia, um, and the other is all, it's all the ticks, the, the, the motor ticks. They could be facial ticks, mouth movements. They can be, you know, head ticks. They can be pill rolling, um, with your hands. Um, they can be unilateral or bilateral. They could be on one side of the body or both. Um, the one really important thing about EPS is that, Especially with medication like Abilify, and, and I've used Abilify over the years with great success, um, but when you're treating psychosis, you really are treating at higher doses. The downside that I find is that there aren't, there's less dystonia, less severe reactions, you know, motor tics and all that. No, it's, more, um, it's, it's more likely to develop akathasia. A, a person on Abilify or some of these medications can cause akathasia. Akathasia is tricky business. And I, I have learned just from, um, you know, when I was in school and when I was doing preceptorships, yada, 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 how to treat it. Um, usually they'll use uh, cogentin, um, oral, uh, one to two milligrams twice a day. Um, uh, there's other treatments for it. Um, currently, uh, what, what the problem with akathasia is, is that it looks as though you, you have ants, like you're, you're crawling with ants, not the tactile, like you don't feel the ants, but people tend to be, there's an inner restlessness from head to toe. 
they can't relax. So they look really anxious or they look psychotic. So if you're treating psychosis and your patient looks psychotic because they're, they're just walking back and forth and they're pacing. Very often people can't sit. They can't relax. They feel like they have to move and it doesn't stop. Um, that is most likely akathasia and that is treatable. Um, but if a patient is not clear about what they're experiencing, that's why it's always important to delineate what is anxiety and what is psychosis. Um, because they look extremely anxious, but they also look like they're responding to internal stimuli and they're pacing. So they look almost psychotic. So what do you do? Increase the antipsychotic. What happens? The akathasia gets worse. So it's very important to learn about these things. I mean, there's, there's a lot of information out there about this stuff. Um, and you know, it's, I could go on and on and on and on about it. I, I don't personally have anybody in my own family with schizophrenia by the grace of God. However, um, I, I have treated schizophrenia um, in the past with, with, with a good outcome. You know, family is everything with these people. If you have Corsain, Clauserol in the back, that's a second generation antipsychotic too. Clauserol is what the Clauserol is like the big guns. That's what you when nothing else works, or if you're just hip to Clauserol and you're you just like using it. Clauserol is a complex medication, but it's superb for schizophrenia. Um, it's absolutely a superb medication. Um, it's 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 regulated. Um, not by the government, but it's regulated through pharmacies. You have to register to be a prescriber of Clauserol. I'm not currently prescribing Clauserol, but it's a little bit, you have to do perpetual blood work. You can't get refills for the Clauserol until the blood work is done because agranulocytosis is very dangerous and can be deadly. And that's one of the rare side effects, but one of the common things that we look for in patients being treated with Clauserol. Um, I think that that's something that um, people can do very well on that medication. But again, it's for people who are engaged in treatment and, you know, are really have, have some insight into their condition um, with all of this. Um, it, the success is really, I find a lot of the time it's very helpful to have VNA, which visiting nursing, go into daily to help people with their medications. Generally, when people are have schizophrenia, they're not just on one medicine. It's not always one and done. Um, if it's schizoaffective disorder, then we're using mood stabilizers to, uh, to boot. We're using lithium, Depakote, Tegretol, um, Lamotrigine. Um, so we're using, you know, mood stabilizers as well. So psychosis is a funny thing. And no one... It's kind of like that, that phrase, you know, um, when I talk to God, people say, you know, people know that I'm praying, but if God talks to me, I have schizophrenia. I mean, that's far-fetched, but it, it's, it's a lonely, it's lonely business. It's um, hard enough for people to talk about depression. I feel like everyone talks about ADHD, 
Because ADHD, yeah, can cause anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem if you're not properly treated and you're not, you know, um, at your best self. Um, but it's not really a, yeah, you could be bouncing off the walls and interrupting in the schools and getting into trouble that way. That's the downside of that. But the, that's hyperactive or combined and not even inattentive is usually you're just like staring off into space. But those people tend to be really anxious, but the behavioral, um, the behavioral disorders like, um, depression, people don't really talk about it. They, people, I don't feel like you can walk into a room and tell everybody that you're depressed and people are going to be really that empathetic. I feel like most people don't want to know or they don't want to hear about it or just snap out of it. A lot of ignorance um, with that. But with bipolar and schizophrenia, the, the manic episodes can be so bizarre. And it's so unfortunate because... This, these acting out behaviors, dangerous behaviors to themselves, sometimes to other people. Schizophrenia is the same thing. If there's any psychosis involved, if it's auditory hallucinations, they could be command hallucinations. People could be telling their the voices that are not their own. They're other people's voices, not usually familiar voices. They're very unique. And they will. They can tell people to do things that a person normally would never even contemplate doing. Um, you know, look at a postpartum depression. There's a lot of psychosis that goes into, plays into that, which can be extremely dangerous. So it's very important, um, you know, if you're pregnant to seek help, or if you're postpartum and you're having a hard time, tell your primary, go to the emergency room. Emergency rooms are always open. And I do feel like, I feel like the EMTs, the um, the ambulance drivers, the the fire department, the police department. Most of the time, I feel like, I think there's been improvements in dealing with people with mental illness. I think back, you know, there there was a time when it was not as well understood, and again, the behaviors can be really out there. They can be very dangerous and people can become combative. They can hurt themselves. They can hurt other people, um, all under the guise of listening to some voice that is telling them to do something that they normally wouldn't even would normally they would find unconscionable. So, um, and society as well. So it's, it's, is it fixable? No. I think you're going to be, I think someone is going to be on medication for the rest of their life. I am no, no expert in this area by any means, but I have had a lot of people. When people get older, they absorb medications less. Uh, what, uh, um, they're less apt to be able to um, manage the dosages that they've been on. That can get tricky because you know, they can't absorb medication the same way in elderly. So we're always told to go low and slow. But if you have someone who has been actively schizophrenic and they're aging, it can be very difficult. That's, that's a, that's a tight, tight rope walk, um, which is, you know, sometimes it works to decrease the medicine. Sometimes it doesn't. So there's a lot of, um, it's always risks, um, benefits outweigh risks. Um, and I think that that's all I'm going to say about that today. Um, but again, I, I 
please feel free to reach out to us and ask questions. Um, I try to just stay focused on what I know personally from my own journey in this field. Um, but it requires an enormous amount of compassion and knowledge and understanding and patience for loved ones who are dealing with someone in their family who has had a first break. Um, I know they have first break uh, places specifically. I know, and, and we live near Boston, so that's like, that's kind of like a medical mecca there. But um, they do have um, places for first break psychosis and help with families. Um, I went to MGH. I know that they have one there. Um, I'm certain that they have one at probably every magnet hospital um, and and university. Um, it, it's something that it's worth looking into and certainly um, ask your healthcare providers. Definitely go to the emergency room. If you're ever feeling unsafe, emergency rooms are always open. Call your healthcare providers and let them know how you're feeling. And hopefully they can get you referred to somebody who can be even more helpful. God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Julie. Um, so hopefully that was, you guys got a good perspective on the complexity of, you know, from the previous episode I did on schizophrenia or psychosis, and then, you know, the treatments of it, um, you know, really is a lifelong journey, um, where medication, and I, I, uh, I would definitely encourage, uh, get a neuropsych eval or get your loved ones in for an eval if you start to eat what we call kind of the prodromal phase. It's really not the full disorder in and of itself. And this goes for a variety of things, but especially if you're starting to notice somebody acting the way that Julie described and, and disconnecting from reality uh, and you have a family history of, of psychosis or schizophrenia, I would definitely encourage you as I would all the time you hear me say this ad nauseum, get an eval because of the testing that we do have, we are able to test specifically for a lot of different disorders, but but specifically like the Rorschach, the MPI, the Milan scales, they test specific for schizophrenia and these profiles you get from people, especially when you're giving the Rorschach. Uh, and even and I and one one of the things I learned in my doctoral program, interestingly, IQ testing ironically can actually pick up schizophrenia because of the, the of the demands of the IQ testing and the connotation with IQ and intelligence and self-esteem somebody with schizophrenia and I have seen this in my training and in, in, in a professional experience I have seen a person decompensate during an IQ test because the demands just exacerbate an already fragmented sense of self I just have I have two more things to say first of all um a Beautiful Mind, uh, Russell Crowe, I think, is in it. Um, excellent movie. Uh, check it out. And that will literally show you what it's like. Um, he is a professor who has schizophrenia. And Jennifer Conley, I think, is his wife in it. It's an excellent movie. It really depicts psychosis very well and schizophrenia as a whole. Um, the second thing I want to reiterate is that my former supervising psychiatrist years ago, Dr. Todd Holzman, shout out to him, amazing guy, 
Um, great psychiatrist. I was privileged enough to, I was very privileged to have worked with him and uh, learn from him. Um, he he came to our school at Mass General and he, he was um, visiting and he was talking about um, psychosis and drug use and psychosis. It's treated the same way. However, um, as long as you are not using, <laughs> so meaning um, if someone goes into treatment, they can be treated for psychosis. I, de I describe it like a really bad amusement park ride that you cannot get off of. And that's why I'm always like on my soapbox with my younger uh, folks. Now that marijuana is legal in Massachusetts, people are just getting their marijuana from dispensaries. But before that, just as an example, because there's so many other drugs out there that can cause psychosis. Um, people were getting becoming psychotic by from street the street marijuana they were getting and so um, I've seen an improvement in in recent years with that particularly but not in the general public um, so just so you know it's treated very similarly um, again if you have used drugs and you're having a hard time it's important to get treatment for that as well simultaneously um, but I just wanted to um, inform you guys of that as well. So, thank you. All right. Um, and then, you know, just as the last thing, you know, I remember watching the movies, uh, the old videos of, of Bellevue Hospital and patients being, and Julie just said that's awful, but I want to put a, a caveat to that where you would see people chained to um, uh, the railings of the hallway and hosed down. I, I think if we look retrospectively at that time, it's easy for us to be in 2023 and say, oh, my God, that was barbaric, when at that time that was what was known. And I'm not saying, you know, in any healthcare that things may have been gone awry and whatnot, but I think, you know, in 100 years they're going to look and be, what we're doing now is archaic. So it, it's an evolutionary thing. Um you know, but some of the old uh, sanitariums they do throughout the country. I think there's one in Virginia. They offer like uh, you can spend the weekend uh, at night, and they they kind of like these places where like just like like time just stopped, and all the old patient rooms and stuff like that. But Julie said she will not embark on that journey with me. So, anyhow, um, for those of you in Massachusetts, we're seeing Bruce Springsteen this week. Uh, Going to have a fun time. As always, you can reach out to me through Psychology uh, Today. You can get a hold of me through psychologyunpluggedoutlook.com. You can follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore. Um, it's best not to direct message me. It's better to get in contact with me. My, my direct number is 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States. So hopefully this was informative, a different segue from the Borderline series I was doing. We'll pick up with something new next week. And until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and be well. Bye, guys.